everyone, and welcome back once again to HOA It's a True Story. Today we're speaking with Alexis Huth, and she's a licensed family and marriage therapist. And Alexis is with City Psychological and also has her own private practice helping people on all topics. Part two to the topic of mental health matters. Last time we worked with a community manager. And this time we're wanting to address mental health issues for everybody. We're so pleased to have you, Alexis. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to HOA It's a True Story. Thank you so much, Reagan. I'm glad to be here. Okay. So first of all, let's just start out with telling us a little bit about yourself and your current practice. Well, you already gave me a pretty great introduction, but just to kind of reiterate, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist practicing out of the state of California currently in virtual practice, my private practice, as well as working for a couple of different group practices, including City Psychological, as you mentioned. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And as I mentioned, again, this is part two of a series we did. I must say I was a little surprised at the popularity of the first episode. Do you think mental health assistance is on the rise? Is that something that's really just blossoming? Absolutely. I think personally that the pandemic had a pretty large hand and role in that. People becoming more isolated, any possible anxiety or depressive symptoms that were maybe already pre-existing certainly be increased and exaggerated due to the pandemic, as well as the significant loss. I think people to varying degrees experienced loss. So here we are. Um, mm. I think especially since the pandemic, we're destigmatizing and normalizing mental health and the supports that are essential for it. You know, before we know back in the day and decades ago, mental health was only provided to those who were maybe very ill or had certain thought disorders. Now we're realizing that a lot of us, one in five actually, are walking around with diagnosable mental health disorders, so to speak, though really breaking that down, just presentations of like I said, maybe that's anxiety, maybe that's depression, trauma, grief, and loss. So okay, let me let me interrupt you. I have a question then out of that. So are you saying that we've always had these problems, but it's just now kind of coming out more and being destigmatized, or some of the issues from the pandemic created more mental health issues? Mm. Is it coming out of the closet or we all we always had it? or it's just gotten worse because of the environmental situation? Mm, good question. Well, we know that intense degrees of stress will likely trigger and amplify any pre-existing symptom that was already there. Or maybe you know someone's coming in for anxiety or loss due to the pandemic, though as we're peeling back the layers, there's significant trauma there that has never been dealt with from childhood even. Um, and the manifestation might be anxiety. So I personally believe that the pandemic has maybe brought to light what was already there. Well, I recently saw an article that showed a survey of about 86% faced at least one mental health challenge during 2022, with only one third of those people receiving support from a therapist. Does this sound like what you're experiencing or do you think it's greater than that? I think it might even be greater, unfortunately, for a lot of different reasons. I think people who need the help could benefit from the help are not accessing it. That might be due to 
minimizing their own personal experience. I'm fine, right? I can get by, I can manage. And so just kind of coexisting to some degree with the suffering or distress that they're living with is being minimized. So I am seeing that it might not be as well a time where someone's ready to confront what's going on there and face their symptoms or face loss or trauma for some people, maybe the cost or accessibility of therapy is making it infeasible. And that's why we're seeing those numbers like you just described, or maybe not prioritizing it or having the time allocated to be able to get mental health supports. I also talk to people who, you know, we sit down, we've been working for a while and they let me know that they've tried therapy in the past, but they didn't feel like it worked for them. So maybe that's because they weren't ready or maybe because it wasn't a goodness of fit of a the therapist or the therapy type that they were receiving. So I highly encourage people at the very least, you know, getting a consult, a 10 minute consult is free. So shopping around a little bit, finding that goodness of fit with a therapist and certainly not minimizing what they might be experiencing because often when we do that, the depression symptoms only increase. Same thing with the anxiety and so forth. So if you have an inkling that you could benefit from some help catching it early is always recommended. Since the pandemic, we saw people actually happier because they were able to work from home and we all suddenly became aware of digital meetings, right? Where before it was just cutting edge. And it seemed like people were happier to be home doing their jobs there. But why does it seem so much worse then if they're in a place where they're safe and with their kids or just in an environment that they're more comfortable in, why does it seem like the anxiety and the depression has ramped up if they're in a better place? Mm. They want the isolation more, you think? Really good point. I feel passionate about what you just shared, Reagan. The United States Surgeon General earlier this month, it was all over my social media and so forth, and probably the news stating that, you know, we're in this crisis right now of being isolated, chronically isolated. And what that translates to is their likelihood of dementia being up by 50%, the likelihood of them experiencing stroke or heart disease at 26%. And they're equating it to individuals you know, who are chronically and severely isolated, the same thing and just as detrimental to your health as somebody smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. So while I think in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, especially in this American society, living in California, Bay Area, possibly where GB Group is located, you know, I think the pendulum had swung too far where we're spending too much time away from our families, too much time on the road, commuting and so forth and not having enough time at home. Mm -hmm. But with the pandemic offsetting that, spending more time at home in a society where, you know, we are Instacarting our groceries, we are Uber eating our food, we're highly addicted to screens, screen time, social media and so forth and video games. If we're adding the feasibility of now working from home, we started all working out from home because we weren't going to gyms or going to our religious groups or social groups and so forth. I think we've gotten too comfortable. And so it's not a surprise that now one in two Americans experience significant loneliness and isolation. I think we've gotten far too comfortable in talking with people who are spiking with symptoms of anxiety and depression that I see in my office. We have to kind of get back to the basics. Are we getting outside enough? Are we getting sunshine? Are we um, incorporating 
social time and our daily and weekly routines? Have we gotten too comfortable? And uh, is it now having a large detriment on our individuals as well as our societies as a whole? Absolutely. Then with the digital meetings, did it become more affordable and easier for people to seek therapy? Because I know people that I spoke to were like, you know, I went to therapy before, but I hated taking the time off to drive to someone's office to go sit on the couch and then try to pour my heart out. When I finally got going, the session ended and now mm -hmm. I had to leave. So mm -hmm. now they can just be wherever they're at, maybe their office, maybe at home, but they can kind of just check in on that digital meeting. Does that make it much more accessible and people are willing to do it now? Really great point. That's kind of the flip side. Not anything is necessarily bad or good. Same thing with working from home or being able to access your telehealth from home. I do find and have definitely seen that people who are maybe a little bit on the fence of getting mental health care before, who now can do it from their phone, their iPad, their computer, are accessing it at much greater rates. So I've got clients who are able to take these calls before they go into work or on a lunch break. Yeah. Um, they don't have to worry about coming late into the office due to traffic. They don't have to transport themselves anywhere and they can do it from the comfort of their own home, which is making them more likely to get the access. And not only that, some of my clients, they also have employers who are willing to pay for them to get mental health care as far as paying them while they are in session. They are flexible in allowing them to get off work early or come in later or not arrange meetings during the time that they have sessions. I do see and agree with the fact that in this way, having access to digital health care has certainly increased people's likelihood of receiving it. Well, I think you kind of hit my next question a little bit, but before I go there, I want to kind of notice, I have seen a change in, we used to see it. I think in more trending type of careers. And now we're seeing mental health issues kind of across the board. It doesn't matter if you're a construction worker or a admin or a nurse. It seems like the position that the people work in doesn't really have uh, any prejudice for mental health. Do you kind of agree with that? Or do you see particular career paths have greater problems. Now, unfortunately, mental health issues, difficulties, struggles, it has no bias. I mean, when we're talking about mental health difficulties or struggles, I'm not only referring to people with severe, extreme depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar. I'm also talking about the individual who just found out that they got diagnosed with diabetes or cancer, or they just lost their father, oh. or they just found out that their wife had cheated on them. Um, how these things impact our mental health and well-being, increasing our stress, fluctuating and imposing difficulties on our sleep and our eating habits and so forth. I mean, there is no bias when it comes to mental health whatsoever. And so I'm seeing teachers through my doors. I am seeing students. I'm seeing truck drivers, you name it, the lawyers, any career type I'm seeing coming through my doors. And I don't believe that mental health does have a bias. We all, as human beings, experience suffering in some way, shape, or form that's kind of guaranteed in this lifetime. So having access to supports as we are going through these things is vital. Do employers have a responsibility for their employees' mental health? 
Yeah, I guess I kind of look at that in two ways, right? Responsibility. I see that as our employees receiving some of the flexibility that I described earlier in our talk today. Right. If they're needing to come in a little bit later, leave an hour early because it's the only time they could make a session before they have to pick up their kids from school, et cetera. Let alone are they providing them access to affordable mental health care through their insurance. So I kind of see that in a couple of different ways, you know, the baseline are, do they have their needs met through things like insurance? And then beyond that, would an employer be able to offer some flexibility or compassion? Um, special special accommodation, some kind of special accommodation. Certainly. In the sessions that I have with my clients, some of the biggest topics we have are often, apart from, of course, their mental health experiences, are stressors such as the workplace and being fearful of, hey, you know, I was up all night, not to be morbid, but being abused. And I, mm -hmm. I was hard to get myself together and go to work the next day without suffering from panic attacks. Would an mm -hmm. employer be willing to see and notice that an employee such as that is struggling to manage to get through the day and maybe needs a little bit of grace when people do need mental health days or do need some flexibility in certain circumstances. It's happening, you know, tragedies and suffering are happening across the employee workforce far more than I would imagine any employer could imagine. wrap their heads around. Well, the one thing that I think we haven't touched on that I think I know we offer that is if an employee needs a special accommodation for like AA meeting or an mm -hmm. NA meeting during the week or during their lunch. And it's going to take a few extra minutes for mm -hmm. them to get to and from and zoom in or whatever the case may be. So I think, you know, we're not just talking about time with a therapist, but sometimes it's a group meeting of something just to keep things on the track, right? You know, it's not mm -hmm. always fully crisis mode. Mm -hmm. Do you think that coworkers are the first line of offense for the employer? Because we don't talk to every single employee every day. So how do we know, especially if some of these folks are working from home, they're probably confiding in coworkers or other people before they're gonna talk to their boss. Do you think that's something that you're seeing as well, that a coworker should know and maybe report something? I think so. I think first and foremost, if coworkers have the capacity through the employer, the manager, the supervisor, where there's this team oriented or co cohesive approach in how they manage their employees, so if they are engaging and are willing to open up to one another, I think that a fellow employee might be more receptive, not only to giving the feedback, but certainly receiving it. You know, hey, I noticed that you seem down lately, or I've noticed a difference or change. Is everything okay? Is there anything I can support you with? So I do think that employees with one another coworkers have more access to having a pulse on how one another are doing and how supervisors and uh, managers maybe set the tone for how much interaction there are within employees is also really important for what we're talking about. And I think it needs to be a work environment where somebody can go to their supervisor and say, hey, I think you should just check in on Alexa. She seems out of sorts. Not really reporting, oh, they're whacked, you know, or some, some crazy make accusation. Just, hey, could you check in on them? Because I feel like they're maybe a little out of sorts. Absolutely. And how much that could go, I mean, just such a long way, meaning with clients where they don't realize or think, they assume that employers 
their colleagues don't notice. They, they feel perpetually maybe isolated in certain settings and they don't realize that other people are noticing them. And I think it could go a long way to have somebody reach out like that. And I think having a business culture that people can feel safe enough to inquire if they're needing some kind of accommodation and not just, you know, making sure that your HR department is readily available and that they can ask the questions and they can say, hey, you know, try therapy that might help or tell you what will help you. Or maybe they've witnessed a trauma at work, which seems to be more and more lately. And you do hear about the employer, you know, having counselors on site. And of course, now we're having problems with schools and, you know, people just, it doesn't matter where they go. It, it seems like they're at risk to have something terrible befall them if they're not careful. So, you know, I'm glad that this is all kind of coming to the forefront and people are talking about it. But if someone really is looking for some assistance, not mm -hmm. just necessarily through work, just they just know they need help. What's the first thing they should do? I think for a lot of people, where do you start, right? Noticing yes. symptoms within yourself or noticing some changes or something's feeling off, or maybe like you said, it had been a trauma or something, a significant life event, where to start to get the help. I think now more than ever, we've got all kinds of different platforms and ways to be able to connect people with therapists. Some of my favorites are places like Psychology Today. You go online, you can do your preference, whether in-person, virtual, or a hybrid of that. You can put in your insurance, some things that you're seeking help for. And then a lot of clinicians on platforms like Psychology Today, like I mentioned before, they offer 10-minute free consultations where you can hop on the phone, you can talk with them about the things that you're seeking help for, kind of get a preview of this is going to be a goodness of fit. So Psychology Today, I would say, is a platform that makes it really easy and user-friendly to find a therapist. And then other ones that I know of are places like Alma, where I actually work within, as well as places like Therapist Den is another one. So lots of search engines out there that make it user-friendly and easy to access mental health care. I would start there. What about county services? Are those something that they might have a resource for helping somebody that's financially struggling? What if they don't have even an extra dime to put towards mental health? Right. A lot of places do accept Medicare and Medi-Cal. So even if they didn't have a dime towards mental health care, or if they weren't able to pay out of pocket or don't have some of those mainstream insurances, a lot of companies as well as individuals are credentialed to be able to accept insurances like Medicare, Medi-Cal, Medicaid. So hopefully okay. that would be beneficial. That's great. That's good information. Well, the name of the podcast is HOA, It's a True Story. Do you have a that you can share with us? One, of course, that wouldn't breach your confidentiality, but something that might be an example, a story you could share with us? I love this. And I think, I think that it would best serve your audience to kind of talk about maybe use confidentials. But um, one of the cases that I'm currently seeing right now, we'll call him Moises, you know, Here's Morissette, he's coming in for the grief and loss of his wife who unfortunately passed due to COVID a couple of years ago. And increasingly over the years, he's experiencing significant forms and symptoms of depression. The more that I've been working with him, come to find out he's got quite an eating disorder and a bit of a food addiction that stems back to childhood. And the work we've been doing, we're uncovering how he's been coping with food 
his whole life. He's now in his mid to late sixties due to the physical abuse and certain childhood abuses that he had experienced early on. And I, I talk about this case, Reagan, because here's this individual who's experienced layers of things throughout his lifetime, thinking that he's coming in to work on the grief and loss of his wife. And there were all these other aspects of the work that we're able to do together to help improve his well-being. And often in our sessions, he speaks to the fact that he wishes he could have gotten this help earlier in his life. He wishes maybe his parents were able to support him in learning how to cope with his anger, his irritability early on, cope with how to manage these emotions adaptively and not with food. And just like this individual, Moises, I have dozens of clients who often tell me, I wish I got the help sooner. I wish somebody had pointed me in the direction of getting help sooner. So I share this story in that if you have an inclination, if you are struggling and you're hearing this right now, this conversation between Reagan and I, or you know somebody, or maybe it's your child, your spouse, your coworker, your parent, someone in your circle that you believe could benefit from getting help now versus later, I just can't recommend it enough. Alexis, if somebody wanted to reach out to you after listening to our podcast today, what would be the best way for them to reach you if they had a question? or wanted that free consultation? Sure. So as Reagan mentioned, my name is Alexis Huth, and you can find me on Psychology Today. And I'm also currently on a platform called Alma, and that's spelled A-L-M-A. And I do have openings on my caseload right now. So I'd be more than happy to provide consults and connect. Is Alma the A-L-M-A.com? Is that a a platform, A-L-M-A.com, like a, a website? Yes, correct. Okay, perfect. And then they just look up your name, Alexis Huth, A-L-E-X-I-S-H-U-T-H, correct? That's correct. If for some reason you can't seem to get a hold of Alexis through that way, you can always reach us at inquiry at gbgroupinc.com and we'll be happy to pass on the information so that you can reach out to Alexis directly. Thanks again. And I appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Thank you, Reagan. And thank you to everyone listening to our conversation today. And let's hope that May being Mental Health Awareness Month does reach out and find some folks. So thanks again, Alexis. My pleasure. 